text for this morning's sermon is Luke 8, 16 through 21. Luke 8, verses 16 through 21. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be made known and come to the light. Take care, then, how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God. And do it. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I pray that uh, you enlighten our eyes, that we do not just hear this sermon in a way that uh, doesn't save, but that we hear the sermon in a way that changes our lives. Uh, Lord, I pray that some might have light shown upon them today uh, in a way they've never known before. God, help us take serious uh, this warning that you give us to take hear, take heed how we hear. Uh, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sarah Pruitt writing for uh, the History Channel, wrote an article about why the Titanic sank. How could this uh, ship with a couple thousand people on it go down? What were the circumstances that uh, brought about the demise of the Titanic? One of the things she writes is this. Less than an hour before the Titanic hit the iceberg, another nearby ship, the Californian, radioed to say that it had been stopped by a dense ice field. But as the warning didn't begin with the prefix MSG, Master Service Gram, which would have required the captain to directly acknowledge receiving the message, the Titanic's radio operator, Jack Phillips, considered the other ship's warning non-urgent and did not pass it along. 706 people survived the sinking of the Titanic 1,517 died. An hour before the ship hit the iceberg, there was a warning that Jack Phillips heard but did not hear. There's a way we can hear but not hear. My wife will tell you all about this as she will say to me, Sam, did you hear that? And I say, wait a minute, no. What did you say? (laughs) We can hear, but not hear. It's bad to lose your life, 
1,500 people dying is a horrible thing, but there's something much worse than just merely losing your life. It's losing your soul for all eternity. All throughout the Bible, God tells His people to take heed how they hear. It's not just your physical life that's at stake. It's your eternal soul that is at stake. From Luke, starting in Luke 8.4, the beginning of the parable of the soil, all the way up to the text we're looking at, it's all about hearing. It's all about the way we hear the gospel. You can look at verse 8. When Jesus gets done giving the parable, he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, all the disciples that are following Jesus heard the parable, but then he says, Those of you who actually have ears, hear. Meaning, some of you who heard did not hear. And then as he describes what the parable means, he says this in verse 9, the disciples asked him what the parable meant. He said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. And then he explains the parable. He says, the seed is the word of God. The one along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil snatches it away from them. It landed on hard soil. They heard, and immediately the words snatched away. And then in verse 13, those who fell among the rocky soil, it says, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but these have no root, so they only believe for a little while. The first hearers heard in a superficial way, a skeptical way, that it took no root in their heart. The second type of soil, the second type of hearer, heard in an emotional way. They heard the Word of God. They had an emotional response. But when persecution and suffering came, it, the hearing went away. The third type of hearer was a temporary hearer that heard and received the word in a moment, but then the cares of the world, the pleasures of this life crowded it out so that they didn't really hear. And of the last soil, verse 15 says this, and this is key because our text is basically unpacking verse 15. As for that, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast. They cling to it. They abide in it. In an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience or bear fruit with endurance. God has always said to his people, take care how you hear, 
Adam and Eve struggled with hearing. Israel struggled with hearing the word of God, even though they heard God speak. Listen to the prophet Jeremiah speaking of Israel. He says, This evil people who refuses to hear my words, who stubbornly follow their own heart, have gone after other gods to serve them and worship them. They refuse to hear my words. That's what God says of them. The psalmist in Psalm 81.11 says this, My people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. So Israel would hear the words of God, but then listen to their own counsel of their heart. All of you have heard God's word, but have you heard and then followed the counsel of your heart? Isaiah 30 verse 9 says this of Israel, For they are rebellious people, lying children, children unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord, who say to their seers, their prophets, Do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy what is right. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy illusions. Leave the way. Turn aside from the path. Let us hear no more about the holy God of Israel. Isaiah says, the people of Israel don't want to hear. They say, lie to us prophets. We don't want to hear about this holy God. Tell us smooth and nice things. See, it's really important what type of church you go to. Because there's many churches that will tell you smooth, nice things because they know your itching ears don't want to hear about the Holy One of Israel. So Paul told Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing his kingdom, he says to young Timothy, he says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. That means when it's popular, when it's not popular, to reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. What do your ears want to hear? Will you hear what God says this morning? I think our text, even though it starts talking about a light, is all about hearing. Uh, The main charge of our text is in verse 18, and it comes as a warning Take care then how you hear. Might seem like a silly thing. Hearing seems just 
as natural as breathing. But as Jesus just showed us in a parable, there's three ways to hear the gospel that end in death. And there's one way to hear it that ends in life, that endures. And so my prayer is, is that you would hear this warning as a bigger warning than Jack Phillips heard when the lives of over 2,000 people were at stake. That you would value this moment in time in the providence of God to hear the privilege of God giving a warning to you that you might test yourself to see if you're the type of hearer who is, in fact, truly converted and saved. So look at verse 16. We're going to see the first way the believer hears. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Now, this is as simple as it gets. If you look at your notes, you see this little picture there. Usually, I don't put pictures on your notes, but that's a terracotta lamp, the same type of lamp that uh, archaeologists dig up in Israel. This is the type of light they would have had in Jesus' day. It's a saucer-like clay dish that you fill with oil, and there's a wick that comes out of it. And in every home, there would be a stand that you would put it on so that you can see. And Jesus says a little parable here that is so simple, it's silly. Nobody lights a lamp and then puts a jar over it and extinguishes it. Nobody lights this candle and then takes a bed, which the bed in their day was just a thick blanket or a mat. You wouldn't light that and then throw a blanket over it because that would put out the light. And Jesus is pointing to the purpose, the obvious self-evident purpose purpose of lighting a lamp is so that others might see. However, he must have been concerned that some people get the light of the gospel and then, being ashamed of it, cover it up. But the true believer wants to Share it. Those who hear rightly the light of the gospel want others to see the light of the gospel as well. Have you heard the gospel in such a way that you want your friends and your family and those around you to hear it or are you indifferent to it? That's the question. One of the key marks of a true believer is they desire others to have this light. Have you heard in such a way where it's like, all right, I got the light. 
My ticket to heaven is secure. And now I just live like everyone else. Or if you so been convicted by your sin as this light shone in and saw the mercy of God in Christ that you said, all those around me need to hear this. Shining the light by preaching the gospel, however, is not a popular thing to do when people are evil because it exposes them. Your flesh doesn't want to shine the light. As you hear the gospel, your flesh wants to throw a bed over it. Because to shine it to others is to expose them in a way that might make them upset. In fact, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus brings up a really similar uh, point. He says this in verse 2. He says, Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what have you whispered in the private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that can do no more uh, or, and have nothing more they can do. He's saying... What I've explained to you in the secret about the gospel, shine it. All they can do is kill your body. (laughs) Don't be ashamed of this light. Shine it. After they kill the body, they can't do anything else. But he says, I'll warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after has killed the body has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and are not, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, are you not of more value than many sparrows? And then he says, I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will acknowledge before the angels. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. So there's two type of hearers. There's the type of hearer who hears the gospel, believes it, but is kind of ashamed of it. And when they're with a different group of people where it's unpopular to believe the gospel, they cover it up. Take care how you hear. Are you ashamed of this gospel that may offend your friends, but actually is their only hope unto salvation. What kind of hearer are you? And if you remember back in Luke 8, 9, and 10, Jesus said to you, it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so seeing they may not see, hearing they may not understand. Only Jesus has the right to decide when, according to his judgment, he's going to speak in a way that people don't understand. What he tells his disciples is what you've heard in secret, what I've explained to you, you shine to the whole world. You don't hide 
any of it. So, here to fruitfully shine, that others may also gain the light. Second, here to be openly exposed. Look at verse 17. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Here's the thing. Light exposes things in dark places. Listen to Psalm 90 verse 8. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. God shines so bright, there will be no secret kept in your life. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. The word of God shines light into the sinner's life to show how ugly the dark places are. In John 3, 19, John said, Jesus says, this is the judgment. Light is coming to the world and the people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does evil things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. The natural fleshly man doesn't want light shined upon them because it exposes them. In Romans 2.15, Paul says that men's consciences will either excuse or accuse them when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men in Jesus Christ. So here's what the gospel does. The gospel exposes every man and woman. Shows how utterly sinful their sin is. And the reasoning goes like this. Do not be shamed of the light of the gospel or hide from it, for all will eventually be exposed. That's what he's saying. He's saying everyone's going to be exposed, so you can either hear the gospel now, admit what's true about you, that you have no goodness in and of yourself, and then turn and see God's great love, this Christ who's died for you and cling to him and have life, or you can put your fingers in your ears and say, that's not me, I'm not that sinful, and be exposed another day and be condemned to hell because you'll keep no secrets. That's what he's saying. That's what he means when... After this parable, he says, For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. You won't keep your secrets. So be humbled now. Admit it. Quit pretending to be a person you're actually not. Be humbled and trust Christ and be saved. 
here in a way, now this is hard, that wants to be openly exposed. David prayed this weird prayer, search me, O God, and see if there's any evil way in me. We need to hear the gospel in a way that listens with a good and honest heart and let it reveal our sin to us. Don't be ashamed of the light of the gospel or hide from it, for all will be eventually exposed. The gospel knocks down the greatest of worldly people. The self-righteous will not stand in his presence. Uh, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 4.4. 4. He says, I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will re- receive his commendation before God. Now, there is no person that exposed in the light of God that God says, oh, there's a good one. They're getting in. There's only two types of people. Those who had the light shine on them and they put their fingers in their ears and said, that's not me. That's not me. I'm a good person. I don't need Christ. Christ is in my life. Or those who see their sin, feel sorrow over their rebellion to God, see that their only hope is Christ and cling to Him by faith. The Pharisees in Jesus' day heard the Word (laughs) and they taught the Word, but they were hypocritical with it. They... uh, uh, Jesus says this to them in Matthew 23, 2. The scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe what they tell you, but the works they but do not do the works they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. These are people who sound good, but are pretenders. They're hiding what's really real uh, about them. Have you heard the gospel? in such a way that you don't run out of the light, but you let it continually expose you so that it keeps you clinging to Christ as your only hope. Third, here to be humbly profitable. (laughs) Another way to say this is here in a way that endures in the light So that as the light gets more and more and more, you don't run out of it and say, I can't go that low. This exposes me too much. Look at what he says in verse 18. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. If you're trusting in Christ in a saving way, and light has shone into your life, it's going to continue to increase This is what marks the true believer. They don't just hear the good news and say, okay, I got that. But they learn more and more about God. 
more and more light comes into their life, which means more and more sin is exposed in their life, which means the true believer becomes more and more humble the longer they walk with God. The more light exposes their sin, their love for God gets greater because they see that their only hope is in Christ. To those who have light, they'll be given more light. For those who know they're not good, they'll be shown to greater and greater degrees that the sinfulness of their heart is actually much deeper and selfish and prideful than they ever thought. This is why back in chapter 7, remember what he said to Jesus said about the prostitute. He says, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. The person who hears rightly or sees the light rightly loves a bunch because they've been exposed. But there's actually another way to hear the gospel. There's a way to hear the gospel that kind of says this. Oh, Jesus is the son of God. He's the good one, which means I'm on his team and I take all my good works and I add it to Jesus, the good one. And because I'm a Jesus person, then I'm going to get into heaven. This is not a person that is really seeing light. They're not really being humbled. They're not really being exposed. Rather, they feel like they're merely on the right side saying, oh yeah, I heard the gospel. I'm with Jesus. In fact, the Bible tells us this is the great majority of people who hear the gospel. Because in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I can't emphasize, these are people saying, Lord, Lord, Lord. Like they're really, they might be the ones that raise their hands and really are emotional. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? So what's their claim? Their claim is, look at all the good things I did. They never saw the light. They weren't ever humbled. And what does Jesus say of them? He says of them, uh, I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There's a way to hear Jesus and cling to this Jesus in a hypocritical way. If you've trusted Jesus, but you spend your whole life pretending like you're better than you are in front of the right people, this is concerning. Because the gospel invites you to be totally exposed. Jesus, all of your righteousness, everything you need is over here. And if you really see the light, then you can really admit your issues and your sins and your problems. It draws you out. You don't have to cling to all these works. And I'm a good person. 
Have you been drawn out? Have you endured in the light? Or have you received the light and been like, all right, I got to kind of get away out of there. This will change your life because you'll die to yourself if you stay in the light. You will lose hope in yourself and your hope will begin to transfer to Christ. And when that happens, you're going to be a more loving person, a less selfish person to those around you because you're no longer living for yourself. But now you're able to be patient with those who have sin problems because you see how great your sin problems are. The fourth way to hear is to hear to happily obey. Look at verse 19. Then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. So get the scene. Jesus has such a following at this time that his family can't even get to him. This is pure craziness in the eyes of his family. And so this message gets passed through the crowd. He was told, your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my, brother, or my mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now, we just got to make a few side points before we get to the heart of this. First off, there's a lot of misinformation about Jesus' mother, Mary. And a lot of that comes actually from the Roman Catholic Church. They teach that Mary is an eternal virgin, meaning she never uh, had sexual relations with Joseph, which this text obviously contradicts because his mother and brothers are there. Um, and uh, they show up in other places in the New Testament. Uh, also, they teach that Mary is without sin, that she was immaculate. Have you ever heard of the immaculate conception? It's not a miraculous conception. It's that she never sinned, and this isn't true either because Mary said uh, or was told by the angel, she'll bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And then Mary herself says, uh, when she worships Christ, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Someone who doesn't have sin doesn't need a Savior. So Mary is a sinner just like you and I, and God showed mercy to her by a pure miracle of God. The Father put Christ in her womb, and she did not have sexual relations with Joseph till after Christ was born, but we know that he did have many brothers and sisters. And we also know that his brothers didn't believe in him until after his resurrection. In fact, the parallel account to this in Mark 3, verse 20, we read, and he went home again and the crowd gathered so they could not even eat. And his, when his family heard it, they went out to seize him for they were saying, he is out of his mind. 
So his family's like, Jesus has gone crazy. Look at this mess he's in. He's going to get himself killed. And so they're there. And uh, in John 5, or 7, 5, it says, for not even his brothers believed in him. Before his resurrection, they didn't believe in him. But we do know in Acts 1.14 that after the resurrection, all these things with one accord were, de- uh, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So that's just a little background about this scenario. But here's Jesus' point. If you want to be in relation to me, your relation to me doesn't have to do with whether you're physically a part of my family, but it has to do with whether or not you hear and obey the word of God. That's the point. He, he answered them, my, brother, my mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Those who believe that obeying God leads to happiness. There's two types of world, people in the world. Those who hear commandments and they think, oh, that's boring. That's the last thing I want. And there's those who hear about God's commands and say, that's my life. Here's how John said it. By this we know that we love the children of God, that when we love God, we obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments And his commandments are not burdensome. How do you hear the word of God? Are they burdensome to you? For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? Here's what he's saying. You have the love of God in you. You hear right when... You hear in a way that his commandments aren't burdensome. In fact, they're life to you so that the world which used to enslave you to it, you found all your life in the world. You now overcome the world because you found greater love, greater life. The one who hears rightly has overcome the world in that they no longer have to live for the things of the world. But now their hope is set on Christ. Now this is the struggle for a believer. It's a battle. It doesn't come easy, but they do find hope in God's word. Solomon, the most wise man who ever lived other than Christ, at the end of all of his wisdom that he lays forth in Ecclesiastes. Here's how he ends his book. He says, the end of the matter has been heard. Fear God, keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Do you hear in a way that you happily want to obey because you believe there's life in it do you hear to fruitfully shine to others do you hear to be openly exposed do you hear to be humbly profitable do you sit under the gospel 
so that you may be exposed more, that more blessing and love can flow out of your life, ever-increasing grace? Do you hear in a way that you want God's word and you don't run from it? You want to obey. Let me just end by saying this, reminding you what the gospel is. Here's Paul's final argument against all mankind. And the question is, is do you run from this or do you say it's true? What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we've already charged that all, both Jews and Greek, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they've become worthless. No one does good. No, not even one. Their throat is an open grave, meaning when they speak, it smells like what it would smell like if you walked by a dead body in an open grave. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Do you receive that judgment on you? That that's actually true of you? That you in fact, before you came to Christ, were a God hater? Do you make yourself better than that? And then he says this, For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But then Paul goes on to say, but there's a righteousness that doesn't, it's not in you, but there's a righteousness outside of the law. The way a person's saved is not by keeping the law. None of us can do it. Jesus is the only one who did it. He came down from heaven as God's eternal son, became a man. He lived under the law perfectly. And righteousness showed up apart from the law in the person of Jesus Christ so that anyone who says, my only hope is that somehow his righteousness can become right, my righteousness. I admit I have nothing in and of myself. That is my only hope. I want to cling to him. Whoever believes in him by faith receives forgiveness for their sins, righteousness from him, and begins this life in this world being humbled, dying to themselves, but being made new in Christ. My prayer is, is that no one here would leave with any confidence in and of yourself, but your whole life would want to be built on Christ. Father, help us to hear in a way that proves that our hearing is a gift from you, that is true salvation. God, I pray that you would humble us, that you would raise our worship to Christ because we see he's our only hope. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.